Welcome to our Saturday simulcast. Joined by Tom Deanhart. I'm Alan Karpik, and uh, good to be back in front of Tom again. Uh, Tom has been a busy, busy man with uh, all the all the fall camp coverage. We'll get into that shortly. I want to thank our sponsor, the Union Club Hotel, and the Boiler Up Bar, Eight Eleven Bistro. And a reminder too, you know, if you like our podcast or you like our Zooms, why don't you think about subscribing to goldenblack.com? We actually have a website that uh, people like that uh, you can read all of Tom's work. You can talk about it with your friends on Knucklehead Central. We also have an agreement with the Boilermaker Alliance. You join the Boilermaker Alliance, you can be, be a member of goldenblack.com as well. So there's a lot of information about that on the site. So anyway, Tom, uh, it has been busy. And we're off into the Ryan Walters era has launched. And we're going to start with this. And then we'll talk a little Washington, Oregon, and what the Big Ten is going to look like, which is nutty talk, but uh, crazy. But uh, like you said, the change is the only change is the only constant. But talk about what you've uh, kind of gleaned from your somewhat limited access to practice, but uh, your chances to talk to coaches and some players uh, this week. Yeah, very limited access, Alan. Everybody always asks me, so what do you think? Yeah. Which is <laughs> natural, right? But, you know, honestly, number one, Alan, they're not in full pads. So yeah. it really isn't football, right? And number two, um, you know, we're only there for maybe five to seven periods, maybe 20 or 30 minutes, first three practices, four practices. And they're only going through stretching drills and other individual drills and whatnot. So uh, hitting a sled, throwing passes against air. So again, <laughs> I wish I could tell you more, but it's going to be like that throughout camp, Alan. Uh, they're going to have some scrimmages we're not going to be able to go to, although Jeff Braun was the same way with scrimmages. One thing that was different with Braun was he, he would open up some of these early fall practices, like the first yeah. week or so to anybody. Yeah, anybody show up and watch a practice the first week, and uh, but this is like this is what it was like in the spring too. So this sort of carryovers that. But yeah, we're, we're going to have to wait and see. Now, just eyeballing guys that I think they have gotten bigger. I think that's obvious, especially on the defensive line. Bringing in those three SEC players, uh, I think the line has a chance to be pretty pretty solid. Allen, a lot of veterans as well, and and we know about the outside linebackers, Kevin Kane sort of affirmed what we thought that that probably is the strongest position on defense and offensively, Alan, I think, I think the offense, at least in my mind, maybe there are fewer, fewer questions. I know the line's got to get sorted out, but I tell you what, there's a lot of skill, um, a lot of potential with the quarterback, maybe the best running back room since the early Brom era when they had like Tario Fuller and, and, and Richie worship and then DJ Knox. So uh, I think there's some potential on offense. So, uh, uh, we're getting closer to September 2nd, uh, Fresno State game. But uh, again, we're probably not going to, I'm not going to really, like uh, like everybody else, get a real feel, obviously, from what this team is, is going to be until I see him on that uh, high noon Eastern time on the 2nd. Yeah, you did get a chance. You're, you got a head on a swivel during your 25 or 30 minutes there. I'm amazed at what you glean. You see, you saw the offensive line line up. Uh, I thought that was interesting yesterday. Some names that, uh, again, and we know Gus Hartwig, for example, uh, is going to be out probably maybe till October. Um, but uh, that's what's really interesting. You had Josh Kaltenberger in there and some others. Uh, anything yeah. surprise you on that? And again, I understand it is a snapshot in time. Somebody might not have got their shoes tied, right? And didn't get a chance to line up. So <laughs> I get that. But uh, any other surprises on, on, on the O-line or anything there? I saw that. I saw that walking out practice and i probably wasn't supposed to see that yeah okay because they're just starting <laughs> 11 on 11 work uh yeah that was that was a line at least the first line that was out there like you said maybe maybe somebody just had their shoe untied and somebody else had <laughs> form. so again hopefully nobody takes everything for gospel just trying to provide what i see and and uh it probably gives you a little semblance of a snapshot to a degree but no, no real surprises on the line i thought maybe a guy like Jalen Grant would be snapping the ball instead of Josh Kaltenberger. But, you know, we knew they knew the tackles were going to be Musa and Bo. Um, Preston Nichols heard good things about him. A UNLV transfer played a lot of football at a guard spot, too. So, yeah, no, I guess no real, real surprises. I don't think personnel-wise. I don't expect any real surprises. Yeah. You talked about players missing Gus Hartwig. Yeah, that's the $64,000 question. How long is Gus going to be out? Uh, I feel pretty confident saying he's not going to play in the opener. 
Yeah. How deep is this going to go, Alan? Till September 30th, the Illinois game is going to go into October. I just don't know. He hurt that knee in November last year against Northwestern. A couple other guys have not really been participants fully. In addition to Gus, of course, Garrett Miller coming off that knee injury. Real no sense in putting him out there to expose him. Maybe I'm the most talented player on that offense. Yeah. Best pro prospect on that offense. People seem to forget about Garrett Miller, I think. Tight ends overall, I think, could be very good. Um, a couple other guys, um, um, you know, Demarge Lewis has been a little bit limited, like Garrett Miller. He missed last year with a knee injury, suffered in training camp. Yeah. It was funny. We, we were at those practices when that happened. Um, so, yeah, there's uh, those are maybe the key guys. There's been some more fringe guys that have been participants. Ethan Cole, uh, Andre Oban, you know, Zach Richards. But guys don't that don't figure in prominently. But as far as key guys who figure in prominently, uh, those are probably the the key guys. And I, I had heard Alan that that the the one of their one of their transfer receivers from Florida Atlantic, Jamal Edrine, had got hurt the other day. Um, not sure the extent of that injury. It was not a practice on Friday. Uh, I'll see if he's there today, but. He's a guy I think that they're going to count on Alan as a big yeah. receiver who, uh, who, 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 again, could be a real key X factor on this, this unit. So we'll have to stay tuned and see if we learn anything about uh, his, his injury and, and the extent of it. And you've watched a lot of football practices in many, many places around the country. And this is an unfair question because of the time. But do you get any you, you watch Ryan Walters in this spring as well? You know, we see pictures of Ryan out throwing passes because, you know, that's the early part of practice. Get any sense to just from an organizational standpoint, do they do anything at all differently? Or is this kind of what you've seen in other coaches and other practices? And again, understanding that you're seeing the first 30, 35 minutes. Yeah, I mean, it's, I think maybe it's that energy and that enthusiasm level. Yeah. Uh, maybe that's a little more accentuated than than some of the some some of that that I've seen displayed at other practices over the years. So, um, yeah, it's just good energy, you know, especially from you know Sam Carter, the cornerbacks coach, and yeah. and Corey Patterson, the wide receivers coach. They seem to be your juice coaches, if you will. Yeah. And uh, Sam Carter is really a character, and uh, you know the the line coaches, you know Marcus Johnson on on offense and Brick Haley on defense. I tell you who I'm impressed with couple of young coaches, Joe Deneen, the outside linebackers coach, who's in his 20s, and, and Grant O'Brien, the safeties coach. Uh, Grant O'Brien, I think, talking to Kevin Kane yesterday, man, <laughs> the eyes in the sky in the press box next yeah. for Kevin Kane, who's going to call the defense from the field. Uh, he's a good recruiter, a bright young mind with a, it looks like he could be on the fast track to big things maybe down the road. Uh, so yeah, and Kevin Kane too, Al. I tell you what, Kevin Kane, I love talking to Kevin Kane. He's a very impressive man. Uh, he really strikes me as a kind of a future head coach. And I know I'm, I'm pulling that just from my brief interactions over the last six, seven, eight months with him, but he, he certainly carries himself like a head coach, sounds like a head coach, talks like a head coach, comes off as, as being very smart as well. Uh, and he's got, a, he's got a nice resume. He's already built up Alan. His next step, I think, He's the next Ryan Walters off this step. He, he, I think he's the guy on this step that's going to be the head coach next is Kevin Kane. Ryan realizes that. I think he's going to give him this opportunity to run the defense because Ryan got that opportunity. Right. Missouri and then at Illinois. So Kevin Kane's a guy I think is very smart. And I'll tell you what, last thing real quick on Kevin Kane. Talked to him the other day. It was kind of interesting. This defense is supposedly very unique, Al, and uh, nobody else in the country does it. I'm sure Illinois is going to run it still. Uh, with Aaron Henry, but still, it's a very unique defense. He sort of compared it to teams having to prepare for like the Navy triple option offense. It's, it's something you only you don't see anywhere else. It takes a while to prepare for it. All of a sudden, you're playing these defense three, four, four, three, and all of a sudden, boom! You got this unique defense that that nobody else does, and 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 and, and schools have to prepare for that. So uh, it's supposed to be very unique and, and different, and hopefully, uh, you know, cause cause opponents a lot of issues trying to trying to adjust to it and, and get used to it and play against it. Yeah. Storylines galore heading into that September 2nd opener against uh, mm -hmm. Fresno State. All right. I know you talked to, uh, you got, got to rehash the is issue this week on the stadium 
Mm-hmm. And it's going to be done, and uh, yes. it's going to be done. They're going to play it's football be done. stadium, but it's a, all of us uh, pocket uh, construction people, of which I've been there two or three times in the last month. I know nothing what I'm seeing, except for it looks like there's a lot of work to be done. I know Mike Babinski had said, and we reported boiling over about getting the crane off there. I think that's all on schedule. They haven't had much rain here. There are no yeah. weather issues, uh, uh, though I was gone a lot last week, but uh, it sounds like everything is moving forward. I really liked your Hudson card uh, feature this past week as well. And I encourage folks, if you haven't read it, go back and read it. But just what was your, you know, you, you're always good at talking to to parents and other people around Hudson. What's your sense? You know, leadership is huge in this deal. You've talked a little bit about him being kind of a quiet guy, uh, at least from what you can tell. But uh, what was your sense of just the the, the family's excitement and the, uh, being in West Lafayette, considering they're, you know, they obviously were UT fans and th- that didn't work out quite to the level that they wanted to. But uh, just the sense that you got talking to that family. Yeah, real quick, too, on the stadium, I talked to Ken Halpin. Yeah, didn't anticipate doing a story out of it. He, he he was he was okay with it, but kind of give people a sense of where they're at just once again. And then then I'm going to have a story on the Tiller Tunnel too. More more the the honoring. I talked to Tim House. Yeah, and how they're going to honor Tiller and other people as well. So uh, a lot of excitement there. But yeah, Hudson Card. Yeah, I talked to Doug and Cindy Card, his mom and dad, his high school coach, uh, some others around him, and. And talked to Hudson for a while, obviously, too, Alan. I was thinking this summer, I said, you know what? No, Nobody's really done a big Hudson card story. <laughs> this yeah. guy's going to be the face of the program. I, I didn't know anything about him at all beyond the superficial stuff. So, again, my one-hour and hour interaction, I can't extrapolate. I know everything about somebody. But he, he seems like the kind of guy you'd want your daughter to date. Yeah. Uh, he's a good-looking guy. He's He's... I think religion is important to him. He seems yeah. grounded. He does seem humble. Um, quick to smile. Yeah. Low key. Um, that's just his personality. And it seems like he has a nice family, Alan. He sort of was the baby. Yeah. He had two older kids who are 32 year old sister and a 31 year old brother. And then there's Hudson, who's just turned 22. Yeah. It's kind of funny. His dad told me, yeah, I had two chances to do this. <laughs> raising a boy in sports and whatnot so uh yeah his dad i um successful businessman and waste management yeah that made me laugh but yeah. I, I, I got the sense they they've done well you know they lived in houston until hudson was eighth grade they moved up to austin where they had a lake house like travis and uh yeah you know just typical father-son stuff you know anybody raised a boy in sports yeah, all those same stores we all connect to, and uh, very seem they seem like very loving parents, and they're they're native Texans too. And you're right, it didn't work out in Austin for them, but you know Quinn Ewers was a five star recruit. Yeah. Art Manning coming, <laughs> coaching change, Tom Herman and Steve Sarkeesian. Sometimes things things don't work out in life, but you know I really think you know this happened. It seemed like it happened so long ago. They got Hudson Carr. I think people forget how good this guy really may be yeah. um, you know he i think he's kind of got shoved off to the side here but Purdue may have got i guess what i'm trying to say is Purdue may have gotten a real steal here um you know the staff loves him the players love him i, I don't think they're going to disparage him but uh he can throw he can run can he lead you know i guess time will tell and ryan walters talked about this after the first practice of uh, the need to learn how we deal with adversity alan Nobody knows, you know, there's a point in every game. There's a point in every season where everything's falling around, falling down around you. It seems like there's no way out. You're going, oh, my God, man, this is a disaster. What's going to happen? <laughs> and how how do you respond? Do you keep your poise? Do you adjust? You know, do you stay calm in the face of fire? Those are just things we don't know. So uh, we'll find out probably a, every game. Like I said, there's a diversity. Fresno State, Jeff Tedford, man. I know they got their questions at quarterback, but Jeff Tedford's a heck of a coach. It was Aaron Rodgers' coach at Cal and a uh, very, very sage coach. So he's had months to prepare, too. So that's going to be a heck of a test right out of the gate, Alan. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, 
And the news of the day yesterday was uh, this: uh, Tom Dean yeah. be going yeah. to Eugene, Oregon, and to Seattle here. Maybe. Yeah, big, oh yeah! By the way, and, and have you been? Have you been both of those stadiums in your professional travel? Yeah, I've, I've been out to Eugene and Cor- I've been to Corvallis a lot too. I don't know yeah. not coming. Yeah, University of Washington. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I love the University of Washington for a lot of reasons. Um, I always thought Alan, of all the Pac-10, Pac-12 schools, there's always USC. Washington always reminded me of being most, most Big Ten-like. Yeah. Big, a big public institution, great fan support, uh, great football tradition, Al. I mean, you go back to the sunny six-killer days yeah. when they played Purdue. I remember when Purdue had that four-game series with them. Right. From 87 and 90, Purdue got beat all four times. But Mark Brunell and those guys were on the Huskies. That's when they were – you know, they, they really got rolling there with Steve Bentman. They won a national title in 91. But anyway, yeah, well, I mean, hey, man, changes happen. I, I'm excited with Washington and Oregon. And, again, Eugene's a great town and Austin Stadium and whatnot. We all know we all know that. That's ever since Joey Harrington in the last 20, 22 years, they really became relevant. So it's exciting now. Where is it all going to end? I guess that's my question. Where is it all going to end? They're at 18. They only get to 20. Are they going to sit out and try to get Virginia and North Carolina to get to 20? Or are they going to maybe get Cal and Stanford one day? I don't know. What's the SEC going to do, Alan? Yeah. I don't know. And they got they got a lot to figure out. This is going to happen next year. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Four schools. You have to redo all the schedules now, obviously. Are you going to go back to divisions, Alan? Yeah. Are you going to have six, three, three, six team divisions? I don't know. But you, you're not going one through 18, are you? Yeah. I don't know. So there's just a lot of questions. Uh, and a lot of these administrators on Northwestern Avenue and, and you know, Champaign and East Lansing and Iowa City, they, they, they've got a lot to figure out logistically here. So is the Big Ten office in suburban Chicago. So discombobulating times, exciting times, the great unknown. Here we go. We, we're not turning back, Alan. Believe me, I wish it was I wish it was 1985 and I was still sitting in Mac Arena, working with you and Barb Brink and Jim Bridger, <laughs> fighting hometowners for Chet Falter, yeah. the pole vaulter. But it's not 1985 anymore. Yeah, <laughs> Things always move on. They're always going to change. They say change or perish. We don't have to like it. We have to accept it. So uh, crazy times. Just keep your seatbelt buckled, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, you know, and Brian wrote a good piece yesterday on the site. It was interesting. And it's certainly a viewpoint of not sure – you know, there is that uncertainty. You don't know whether, you know, Notre Dame's still sitting out there. And, of course, the Virginia-North Carolina discussion, whether that is. And what's so interesting about this is driving home. I was in northern Michigan this week. Driving home yesterday, the first hour or so of uh, sport, sports talk uh, uh, with with uh, uh, Rick Neuheisel and others, mm-hmm. they thought it was going the other direction. And it changed again. So there's obviously... Yeah. You know, they thought maybe Washington and Oregon were going to stay put. Um, that changed, obviously, in the, about, about, uh, between Grand Rapids and uh, St. Joe, Michigan, <laughs> for me. And I think that that's a that's just a, a sign of we just best. Uh, it's not uh, it's not uh, our world anymore. It's a different deal. And I, I'm with I'm with you on the Washington, Oregon. I, I understand. And Brian's point is certainly valid about do they. You know, could you have waited on them? Maybe. I don't. We don't know all the details. Obviously, they're going to take a less share. Uh, the piece of the pie is going to be divided up differently. I get all that. Uh, it's just an interesting time. And and, and even in discussions uh, with Mike Babinski in the last few weeks, he just said, "Yeah, we just head on a swivel. You just got to be got to be nimble and ready to move." And and uh, you, you keep piling another thing. You know, from NIL transfer portal, COVID, another you know four new teams in the league. All yeah. part of the uh, way on. things work. So a lot, a lot, lots gone on here the last few years. You know, as a quick as I, you know, Purdue, I think goes to Oregon State next year. Right. That's right. Opens the season, right? <laughs> uh yeah, it's obvious. Or, or it's a September game. That's right. It, yeah. But yeah, I, so much change. And um you talked about going back to the COVID and and the things the sports kind of had to go through and also subjected itself. They're, they're creating this, this, this money grab, if you will, I guess. Yep. Bigger's better. Bigger's more money. Uh, if there was ever any doubt, certainly it's a race now. This is all about the almighty dollar 
And most everything in life typically gets back to the almighty dollar. But man, this notion of the quaint student athlete and, <laughs> and whatnot, uh, again, I think too, Alan, not to get off on a, on a tangent, but I think Aunt Brian alluded to this too, but I think these schools are getting ready for the day where they got to share revenue with players. And you're going to need as much money as you can get because that day's coming. These collectors may, may, may be gone in a couple of years. And revenue sharing may be the new norm where this, this money is going to start coming out of the school's coffers. It's not going to be raised by these independent collectives. So I think there's probably an eye toward that maybe to a degree, uh, because I do think that day is coming. They're going to have to start sharing revenue or maybe they become employees. I don't know how it's going to yeah. look. That's way above my expertise level, but it seems like they're, we're, we're chugging, the train's chugging toward that, toward that destination. I think it's a fascinating study in administration and management, just being able to plan ahead. And I think you're exactly right. They are they are going uh, have to be looking at that down the road at three to four years of somehow how are we going to do this? How are we going to pay for this? How is this going to work? How are we going to how are we going to compete at Purdue, for example? Again, uh, you know, how are you going to stay competitive financially? Uh, going to be interesting to interesting to watch. But what we are going to let you do is get off to practice to, today. We will have our part two of this recording. Brian Newbert will join us. We're, we decided to split it up this week because Brian will be covering the men's basketball scrimmage in the alumni game. There'll be some things to talk about that. So uh, in a, in a shake of a lamb's tail, I don't know what word I want to use, but what about uh, next thing you'll see is Brian Newbert joining us uh, uh, for the next segment. Tom, enjoy practice day. Great work so far. We appreciate it. And uh, we will uh, look forward to our second part of Saturday simulcast, which may not air till Sunday, but you know, who's counting and uh, we'll look forward to that. So take care. Thanks, Tom. Brian Newbert needs no introduction. Joins us uh, after Tom's segment, Tom Deanhart's segment on a little bit of football. We're going to talk inter squad scrimmage and alumni weekend. Maybe a little Purdue, or excuse me, with Washington and Oregon as well. Tom, Brian wrote an excellent piece on the site last night uh, or yesterday afternoon when the news came down. That being Friday afternoon, I should say. Brian, at first, this New Year's, you know, great. I, I thought a really impressive crowd, uh, the lower arena full, a good crowd upstairs. Luckily, it was 77 degrees, so the arena wasn't too warm, but it was a, a good Not show, so cool. to speak, at least the way I looked at it. Uh, what did you see in the inter-squad scrimmage portion of, uh, of today's proceedings? I, it was warmer on the floor than I thought. Yes, it was. I was down there with you for a bit. It was definitely warmer down yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I mean, I, I didn't know if I saw anything that I haven't seen all all summer and a half dozen practices I've probably been to. Uh, it's just different with Zach e without yeah. Zach Eady because obviously he has his fingerprints over everything Purdue does at both ends of the floor this season. So that's why I've kind of said that this European trip, you know, doesn't really come at a great time because you'd prefer to make these trips when you're young, when you're new and when you're reinventing yourself and, you know, Purdue's got some new pieces, obviously, they need to onboard. But by and large, this is, you know, a, a plug-and-play sort of team. I mean, they're, they're, they're really experienced. They're really established. They're experienced together. Um, you know, you, you do have a couple of freshmen or redshirt freshmen, you know, moving into potential roles here right. or definitely moving into roles. Uh, you have some guys whose roles are going to be a little different. Um but by and large, it's 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 uh, it's uh, you would have preferred to have had this two years ago. Uh, there was a pandemic, <laughs> and then you, if you could have had it last year, but everybody was hurt, so um, you take it when you can get it, and that's right now. So um, you know Purdue will be different. Uh, you know Trey Kaufman, Ryan, and Caleb first in the front court. I think that's kind of what you're looking at in Europe because uh, first is going to be playing more center or playing center. Kaufman Ren's going to be playing more forward. Um, that's kind of that's kind of nuanced, but I think it's I think long story short is that it's symbolic of Trey Kaufman Ren's you know presumed ascension here into one of Purdue's better players. And if you ask me, probably something that puts Caleb first in a better position to be successful uh, too, because I think he's better in some of the actions he'll run at center as opposed to a lot of what he had to do with the four. Uh, there are questions spacing offensively with Trey Kaufman and Zach Eady next to one another won't be an issue in Europe because there's no Zach Eady. 
Kaufman uh, Wren is going to have to prove he can stay in front of people defensively. That's the reason that things change now and they weren't this way a year ago uh, and so on and so forth. But, um, you know, I think you know what Braden Smith is. You know what Fletcher Lawyer is. Those guys can get better. Uh, does Europe tell you what you need to know there? No. Um, shooting, Purdue needs to shoot better. Uh, th- this is not predictive of anything. Whatever happens in Europe is not predictive of anything to come. They're using different bull, ball, bleh. they're using different balls. They're using FIBA rules, uh, and the level of competition is not, as far as I know. I mean, I don't think this is. Yeah, it's hard to know for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't even know who they're. I mean, I, I don't think they. I'm not sure they know in terms of the caliber of competition. <laughs> oh, they don't. Yeah, you could shoot 85 percent from three uh, in these four games, and I, I wouldn't make much of it. They could shoot 10 percent from three in these four games and I wouldn't make much of it. I I just don't think it's, I I just don't think that's a question that can get answered until, you know, December, November, uh, that sort of thing. Yeah. You know, you look at the, certainly from a onlooker standpoint, you, you pay attention to Lance Jones and Miles Colvin, Camden Heidi, even Brian Waddell, who did play a little bit early on last year, but, uh, Guys that have made some strides are interesting to watch here. Impressions of those guys. I mean, Heidi had a, a double-digit rebounds. Matt Painter talked about his uh, the fact he likes the way he rebounds. Lance Jones appeared active to me. That's a very nebulous term when I'm watching the game and talking to people kind of at the same time. But what did you see out of those four guys in terms of – and, again, I understand this is one snapshot of many times that you've had a chance to see most of these guys. Yeah, well, I mean <clears> – <throat> One thing about all those guys is they're going to have the their roles this year are going to be to play off Zach Eady. Yeah. Again, when there's no Zach Eady, it, it it's not really relevant context. Uh, the thing I liked about Lance Jones today is he made his spot up threes. I think he yeah. was three for six, and that that that's going to be different for him because you know he's he comes from Southern Illinois where he was a shot creator, and now he's that fourth fifth option that people are going to give space to. He's going to have to make enough of those shots off ball reversals and inside out stuff to, you know, make people guard him and, you know, put himself in position to use his quickness a little bit to go past people maybe. But um, I don't know if he's necessarily that true point guard that I think, you know, people might think he is, but I, I, I think he's got some of the physical characteristics you need there. He's certainly got the defensive mentality to make this more of a complete team. I think he fills a gap there yeah. that, you know, uh, needed to be filled. Um, you know, Camden Heidi is, you know, the thing I always say about Heidi is like, you could put him in like a, like a 2013 Duke uniform and he wouldn't look out of place one bit. I mean, he's a, he's a specimen. He's a big time athlete. He rebounded the hell out of the ball today. That was yeah. not something I'd seen from him prior. I've, I've seen very little of him because he's, he's yeah. you know, redshirted last year. He, he didn't practice all that much last summer, um, if at all. Um, but I know one thing that's really important for him is same as Lance Jones. He's going to have to make that weak side three when the ball gets moving uh, after Zach Eady gets his touches. Uh, he looked really good shooting it today. I don't know what he was. I know he 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 took a couple corner ones. I, I remember him making one. I remember him missing one. But, you know, from what I've seen in practices this summer and from what everybody says, he's he's a very effective spot-up shooter. And, you know, this team needs to be a better sh- – shooting team you know miles colvin is an nba athlete uh he's an nba talent he just he's got to know what he's doing and you know especially you know from a defensive perspective he's really gotta you know get caught up there as fast as possible when i say caught up i mean he's just got to learn he's got to acclimate to structure he's got to learn the finer points he's got to really you know sort of dedicate himself to that area uh you know I, i don't know if that's ever something that's been demanded of him um, the way it's being demanded of him now. Uh, But he is, he is, he's an elite talent. And I think that, um, you know, Purdue should have every reason to get him as many minutes as possible in Europe early in the season and just hasten along his development, kind of, kind of, kind of incubate his development the best you can, because, you need to get the best out of those guys who are really high-end players. Uh, 
preferably at some point during their freshman year. Yeah. Um, and I, I just think it would be in Purdue's short and long-term interest to get him and, and uh, to get him moving as quickly as possible. Heidi had one for four from the field, but one for two from three. And of course that 11 rebounds was a game high. I think the only guy in double digits, uh, uh rebounding but he does well those weren't just you know those weren't just missed free throws he was rebounding those were athletic physical contested rebounds and there's a huge difference between numbers and what you see with your eyes when a guy rebounds and those were legitimate you know contested rebounds yeah i've always been a proponent that there should be two different statistics it should be rebounds and contested rebounds and I, I don't know. It would be up to the official scorers to do that because, yeah. um, you know, it's it, it's such a deceiving number sometimes. Yeah, yeah. He was uh, he was impressive, and he definitely looks the part to when you watch uh, watch him as well. Um, you know, again, Fletcher lawyer leads in scoring. You see what you usually see out of Fletcher, uh, three for six from three. I, and I and I understand uh, Purdue shot the ball relatively well from three, thirty eight percent from that standpoint. But out of Smith and Lawyer, anything, you know, again, guys that now at least have had a summer, uh, especially Smith, to, to get ready. And, and uh, again, they look, you know, well, everybody's going to be looking at Fletcher Lawyer and seeing, uh, has he gotten bigger? Has he done this, done that? What, what do you say in those, those uh, two guys and what you saw there? Well, Fletcher Lawyer, you know, I don't think Purdue collectively, and I don't think anybody collectively likes those balls, those yeah, Euro balls. But Fletcher Lawyer, doesn't seem to be affected one bit by those by those balls because I was at practice last week and he made a damn near every shot he took with those balls and you know he he looked really good shooting today uh three for six maybe something like that right that's right yeah um but yeah I mean it's you know he's gonna they always say uh you know whoever they actually is <laughs> yeah but they always say that you know guys make jumps you know between year one and year two and i think that's sort of the the overarching uh story between smith and lawyer but i think also with with lawyer i'd expect his three-point percentage to really take a jump this year because i i uh, you know i i think he had to adjust to a lot of things in college basketball last season i think his legs you know kind of gave out him on the end he was banged up a little bit but i think after uh, a year playing now i think he probably has a little more savvy to him in terms of understanding what the big Ten's going to do to him uh defensively i think he's probably going to be a little bit more comfortable being open every now and then yeah i mean you have to understand these guys when they're in high school they're getting guarded by two people all the time and you know if, if somebody throws a baseball at you from 10 feet away as fast as they can right at your face right under normal circumstances you can catch a baseball but when it comes at you that fast and it's that surprising to you, what am I even talking about here? Well, you're talking uh, about I, I, you're getting, you're you understand getting what I'm saying to... here. Like you can do something, <laughs> but when it's when you're so surprised by how quickly it presents itself or, or how advantageous it is to you and the right. way it presents itself, you know, it's 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 not something you're used to doing. Um and I I I, I think it was as as ridiculous as it sounds, but I think there were times last year where he just wasn't used to being open mm-hmm. um, because it he he never was in high school. Yeah. Um, I think that's kind of some of the nuance that's going to make him a much higher percentage shooter this year. I, I'd anticipate him shooting the same volume. I mean, he's going to take a lot of threes this year, um, but I just expect him to be a, a better all-around player, a more prepared all-around player in terms of knowing what to expect and just much more productive. And he was pretty damn productive last year. Braden Smith, I expect to, I mean, I, I think it's perfectly reasonable to say that he's, he's got a chance to be a star. He should be a star. And I think this is the year where Purdue says, yes, we have Zach Eady, but we need you to be our, you know, our, our, I don't want to say second best player because there's, you know, a lot going on with other people too here, but somebody who's much more assertive as from a scoring perspective and has the ball in their hands to make plays a lot more, uh, which isn't to say Braden Smith didn't last year, but, mm-hmm. you know, I, 
I think he's going to be empowered even more to really uh, put his stamp on every game he plays in. Yeah, I think you're. I think you're right. And that uh, period of time is uh, uh, just an extra year of growth is going to help him uh, as well. All right, entertaining day. Anything jumped? I don't know how much you were watching the alumni game. Uh, not surprising that Frank Kendrick got the first shot of the game. Uh, <laughs> not surprising. Sasha Stefanovic really was the the show in the alumni game, at least from uh, shooting the basketball. But anybody else jump out at you as you were you and Carm were sitting there uh, uh, gazing out at, at basketball, or were you just watching them and, and hoping they're all going to make it up and down the court? Well, the younger guys should have an advantage, right? No, no doubt. So Stefanovic, who's a year removed from playing professionally overseas, you know. Um, should be ready, yeah. Should be ready. And, you know, I, I don't think anybody should be surprised that he made all those threes. Ryan Smith did get him back a couple times. Yeah. Ryan Smith, who's been out of his Purdue playing career for how long now? Well, 11, 11 years, 11 years. 11, yeah, 11 years. It's hard to believe. He got a couple off Stefanovic. Um, so there was a little bit of back and forth there between those two. Uh, had some pretty good shooters in the building. Dakota Mathias and Ryan Klein were there too. They didn't play. Um, but obviously Stefanovic, not just still being in his playing prime and you know being pretty closely removed from his his playing days, but also shooting in a gym he can shoot in every day if he wants right now um you know it's you don't really take the game too seriously but uh you know that was was pretty impressive what stefanovic did yeah um pretty impressive what uh what a lot of people did todd foster getting up and down the floor a couple times yeah you know with uh as many as as much uh abuse as his body has taken over the years you know playing and getting thrown off bowls and <laughs> all this stuff that and he's, uh, he's still a noon basketball also <laughs> there too i you know, understand yeah you know frank was looking spry yeah as 72 that's pretty damn good i, I mean, told him in the tunnel yeah um expected more rebounds out of him as i <laughs> yeah. i told him but um yeah no uh you know hummel's got to pick it up I hope yeah, I, I, I uh, did get but Yeah, he, he, we were lamenting. I, I said, Yeah, no, can you still play? And, and we were kind of kid. I saw him for about 30 seconds, but yeah, he, he, he he's, he's a podcast guy now. He is, and a good, and a damn good one. I should um, say. Other than that, you know, Lewis Jackson put on a show. Yeah. Um, glad for Lewis. Lewis is, you know, very capable of putting on a show against anybody, even as, as, uh, I guess he's got to be. 30 something now right yeah he's got to be 34 35 yeah because he, he you know he, he, he and ryan smith the same age yeah same they were in the same class yeah uh, it doesn't mean they're the same age but they're in yeah. the same class pretty close yeah um so yeah that, that's i have to admit there were some people out there i had no idea who they were yeah uh well, when there are guys from my era playing, Tony Ream was one of them. Uh, I don't know how this, so you know, obviously Frank is, was the oldest player out there, I believe. Uh, but even guys, Tony was a walk-on and played, and has played in every every one of those games. Uh, but, yeah, it's good It's good for us old guys to see them out there and see if they can still do it. And I, the crowd had a good day. It was a fun day to, to watch some basketball for sure, and uh, they put on a good show. Grady Eifert put on a show. Yeah, he looks great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, it was uh, good to see those guys there playing. And, uh, and again, entertaining basketball is pretty prior to the Boilermakers taking off for Europe. Okay, I do want to get a little bit uh, – you wrote an excellent column. I didn't agree with everything, but I thought it was still very well – everything you wrote, but it's well, well written. Debate me. Let's go. <laughs> Debate me. To, I don't want to do that. Well, I don't – I. I, I just the whole Washington Oregon thing. I know, and and I want to ask you because you talked to Mike Babinski today as well. Uh, I don't know. I just I guess I'm I, I don't love the idea, but I, I also look at it. To, and I did buy totally into what you're saying is what what's the end game here? Where's this going to stop? Good question. You know, if Notre Dame and Virginia and North Carolina come calling, you can have a 21 team league, maybe. Uh, but uh, um, no, but just to talk about uh, you had a chance to talk to Mike and maybe also another day of thinking about this. 
in terms of what do we expect? Matt Painter also, if you haven't had a chance to watch the video, he broke down the whole travel schedule uh, as he saw it uh, in his post-game comments to you today, to today but uh, in typical Matt Painter analytical fashion. But um, going to be a weird world. Uh, we're going to send you out to Eugene and, and Seattle at the same time, maybe, I guess. if you, Painter talked about travel partners coming back. Well, uh, what, crazy, about, crazy. what about class? Yeah, well, that doesn't like, matter. <laughs> like did it matter for you don't they have to go to school what well, did, did i understand did, there's online classes but yeah. like all of them yeah no one has to go to a class well and, and then when painter talked about the fact that they're going to have two days of separation too i mean you're going to be wednesday wednesday saturday wednesday sunday if you're out west is that going to be how it's going it's, it's really going to be interesting and yeah i mean that that I'm sure they'll figure it out and I'm sure, you know, coaches and whatnot will have to find places to practice, which, you know, they shouldn't really have any a hard time doing. I don't think they're going to go to the park, you know, and play against Woody Harrelson and Wesley Snipes or anything like that. But <laughs> yeah. um, no, it's just, it's a, a logistical debacle and it's, that's not important. Uh, all yeah. that matters is TV, what TV wants, what TV will pay and what, had to have happened here and is that a tornado siren yeah the sirens are on and i'm i'm trying i'm the put my best weather person ahead but i'm sure my wife's gonna be coming down here shortly to you know it's weird how they uh do it. i think we're good but i don't want to okay, tell you well, you're good so if you want to if my window breaks and i i get a shard of glass in this, the head. Give, give me give me a, a minute and a half of uh of what Lubinsky oh, said and, and i give you an hour and a half um, <laughs> no. no i I think Purdue was, you know, just, you know, Mike's obviously a good soldier for the Big Ten. Uh, but I, I think when you kind of read between the lines of kind of what he said, I think Purdue probably had some had some real questions here. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's uh, they ended up voting for it. Uh, but, I you know, I don't know how much I put stock in that because, yeah. you know, the Big Ten typically tries to make everything unanimous and. uh that's what it was, as far as I know. Um, it might not have been. I don't know. I, I I can't see how, you know, unless there is a a big short term monetary bump to this, which I, I I don't I don't see how that happens unless TV it has gone unreported that 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 TV just dropped. $40 million more uh, in an escalator clause in the existing or... contract, which have, hasn't even kicked in yet. Right. I think this is about the renegotiation of a media rights deal that hasn't even taken effect yet. So it's my understanding that, you know, Fox or whoever is going to help offset some travel costs, but you took Washington and you took Oregon at basically pennies to the dollar. They're they're in it basically right. half shares. shares. You're right, right. Quarter shares. Right? But did you just take them because they're on sale? You know, I think all of us have have seen you know buy two get one free, and it has <laughs> at, at Walmart or Meyer or Target or whatever, and and uh, it's clouded our judgment. And I sort of wonder here if. If the Big Ten just made an impulse buy here, uh, and Washington and Oregon's best ability was availability, you know, very consistent with modern recruiting right now is if you're a transfer and you're available, you are ten times the player you really are in in, in people's eyes. Uh, I just don't see what the Big Ten gets out of it. It's not like, look, here's the better point: were these contested assets? Where were Washington and Oregon going to go? Obviously, you're in this cold war with the SEC, and that's fine. But the SEC is going to go after the Southeast before they're going to go up to, you know, freaking Canada to go get people. Uh, Washington and Oregon had nowhere to go. You just threw them a lifeline, which is the good humanitarian thing to do, but it's bad business. It's, it, it may not be the best business, and I, I just... Unless you're making a ton more money here in the short term, and I've yet to see anything reported or been told anything on or off the record to suggest that's the case, what are you doing here? You're taking on a whole lot of hassle 
Um, you're making your league even more, you know, competitively stifling. Um, your path to the playoff for some of these people is now a little bit harder. Uh, you know, that, that it also begs the question of what, what do Oregon and Washington get out of this other than money? Uh, competitively, they could have they could have stayed where they were, kind of resurrected the Pac-12, kept that playoff bid until the Big Ten and SEC take it away. Um, and they could have made the playoff very easily by, you know, um, winning a shell of a conference. Um, I don't know. I mean, it, it's these aren't basketball decisions, uh, obviously, but I, I, I don't think this is good for basketball. I don't think it's good for any sport other than you know, theoretically football, but, you know, we're going to see here um, how this works for football. Uh, it's all TV. It doesn't matter. Nothing matters but what TV wants. And I'm guessing that, you know, that that wall-to-wall Saturday morning-to-morning, uh, you know, TV docket uh, of national games is probably was probably something somebody just said, hey, we want that. And um, I don't know. We'll kind of see how it goes. I just don't see the point. Well, I, I, I don't see the urgency. I, I I don't see I don't see any of it. Um, I think USC and UCLA. I mean, obviously, it gives them someone to play in the same sandbox, right? But USC and UCLA left the Pac-12. If they wanted to keep playing Oregon and Washington, no, I'm understood. You know, but I think the reality, and 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 again, and, and this is can be laughable, and I've already been laughed at about this by my own uh, family members. But this wonderful thing called the AAU and academics. Okay, uh, and I know it doesn't mean it. Mean, I know it's all about. I buy that it's all about TV money or all about the you know, land grab to some, to some extent. But Oregon and Washington do at least fit that in the Big Ten's profile. But does that matter anymore? Less and less each day. So like, it is going to be. It'll be interesting. I, I do think from a branding standpoint, it, it does become uh, convoluted. And you've got eighteen. You know, eighteen teams. You're going to have three sixteen leagues. What are you, What are you going to have? I mean, divisions. Uh, are you going to go back to divisions? Uh, all those kinds of questions. Uh, we'll. We'll. I'm sure we'll be scratching our head watching it, and probably have more news on a Monday and Tuesday. Who knows where? What's What could be next on this? What do you think Ohio State thinks of this? Yeah. Like, in your league, who are the people that you really have to keep happy? Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State you know, on down the line. What do you think Ohio State thinks of this? It's like, why would Ohio State want Oregon and Washington in the Big Ten? Yeah. Yeah. And again, Red, at this current thing, because you're right, there's nothing to, to suggest that the pie got bigger on this, the next six years or whatever, however long the TV deal is. And part of the reason why they got part smaller shares. Yeah, good question that, again, the Big Ten, like you said, I think you're correct on the whole notion that the Big Ten will not – uh speak bad of decisions that have already been made so you're going to be hard to find out uh, a lot of that stuff of you know who there's been some reporting about gnashing of teeth among league members yeah. uh we'll see yeah, well in terms of the reduced shares hey great if Oregon and Washington are coming in at 50 percent discounts great but unless a bunch more money came to the league now right. you're gonna that's take still left. money everybody else isn't getting that is correct. That is so correct. I, I think this stuff's still being worked out. So I think we're talking about things before the schools themselves even know what's going on. So you I know, think it's I think it was a fascinating because even yesterday on Friday, you know, I've heard that in the morning that oh, it sounds like oh, Washington and Ohio, Washington and Oregon are gonna may stay put and then things change. There was some, you know, I, I find it interesting that there had been a lot of uh, that the situation was as fluid as they said, but maybe it was, maybe it was down the stretch. I don't know. Well, I am telling you this for a fact. This is fact. This is triple sourced now from two different schools under Kevin Warren, the big 10 ran the numbers on Washington and Oregon and decided against it. They said the money just didn't make sense. So something here in the last 72 hours, other than panic, other than, you know, buying candy at the hardware store. Uh, <laughs> I love that analogy. Yeah. Um, happened. And at some point in time, you know, when somebody does an oral history of Washington and Oregon moving to the Big Ten, I'm sure we'll get more information on what exactly happened. But right now, it just doesn't add up. Yeah. It just doesn't make any sense. You're at 18 teams now. 
we all know they're not stopping at 18. Nobody's stopping ever, uh, probably until every call, every major football program in, 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 the in the country is either in the big 10 or SEC. Um, there are some assets out there that make you better immediately. And now you've taken two more teams here that fill two spots against what at some point there's got to be a hard number. I know that runs counter to what I just said about this will never stop, but what happens one day uh, if Notre Dame, you know, wants to come now you need an even number with Notre Dame. You got to take somebody else. Now you're at 20. Uh, and then what happens if the ACC falls apart? You could go grab six prominent programs like that. You know, you've just kind of handcuffed yourself here. Um, I, I just, I just don't understand why, and I don't understand why now. Yeah. But that's just me. I mean, it's. Well, all, we're all pondering. That's for sure on the, on the future of all this has been. Uh, uh, muddied at best. So, all right, we're gonna put we're gonna put this uh, uh, fine uh, simulcast to bed, so to speak. I want to thank Tom Deanhart in the front end, Brian Newbert, and and want to remind folks that uh, you can uh, become a member if you like these podcasts. You know, Brian Newbert and Tom Deanhart do a whale of job uh, putting great content on GoldenBlack.com. Become a member while you're at it. Uh, you can also join the Boilermaker Alliance if you care to do that. You can get, get uh, Golden Black as part of that as well. But uh, give that some thought uh, uh, because uh, the website is well worth uh, uh, reviewing on a daily basis. So, all right, guys, uh, guys, as in Brian, thanks so much. Thank the Union Club Hotel also for sponsoring this 811 Bistro uh, Boiler Up Bar. We appreciate all that they do as well. We'll see you. We're probably going to be just about every week now that we're into training camp as we head into the 2023 football season. Have a great rest of your weekend all or whenever you uh, get a chance to listen slash watch this. So we appreciate you taking the time to do so. Have a great week. Thanks.